0: This is The World in Brief, from The Economist. Our Top Stories King Charles III delivered his first address as monarch. He honored the life and service of Queen Elizabeth II and pledged to follow his mother's example throughout his reign. He praised Britain's values and achievements and said he would step back from some of his charitable duties and expressed appreciation for his wife and family. The Accession Council, a group of senior officials and politicians that convenes following the death of a monarch, will formally proclaim him king on Saturday. Britons entered their first day of national mourning following the death of Elizabeth II while tributes poured in from foreign leaders. The Queen died on Thursday, aged 96 at Belmoral Castle in Scotland. Britain's oldest and longest reigning monarch acceded to the throne in 1952 and led Britain and the Commonwealth through a period of intense change. Prince Philip, her husband of 73 years, died in April of 2021. Her funeral is likely to take place on September 19th. Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, celebrated the counteroffensive launched by his country's armed forces, saying that 1,000 square kilometers of Ukrainian territory and quote, dozens of settlements had been reclaimed from Russian forces since September 1st. A Russian-appointed official admitted on state television that Ukrainians had achieved a quote, substantial victory in breaching Russian defenses. Russia retaliated by launching its own attacks on Ukrainian territory, according to Andrey Yermak, Ukraine's presidential chief of staff. India and China will withdraw troops from a disputed border area in the Himalayas, according to India's foreign ministry. The withdrawal, which began on Thursday after more than two years of a standoff, will be completed by September 12th. The poorly defined 3,500-kilometer border between the nuclear-armed neighbors has been the site of numerous and sometimes deadly territorial skirmishes. The euro rose back above parity with the dollar following the European Central Bank's decision to sharply increase rates to temper eurozone inflation. The dollar, which has served as a safe harbor for investors fleeing the euro and pound, fell in value by 0.95% against a basket of major currencies. North Korea passed a law enshrining its right to have nuclear weapons and to protect itself quote, automatically by using them in preemptive strikes. Kim Jong-un, the country's leader, said that the law means the country will never denuclearize. International observers suspect that North Korea is preparing to resume nuclear testing for the first time since 2017. Sanctions have failed to discourage it. America's Department of Justice said it would appeal against a judge's order to appoint an independent arbiter to review documents seized from Donald Trump's estate in Florida. The former president had requested the review, claiming the material was covered by executive privilege and should therefore be withheld from investigators looking into his handling of classified material. And Word of the Week Kunguk the Inupiat word for the brightness on the horizon that suggests the presence of sea ice. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. What to expect from Charles III. King Charles III has had decades to prepare for accession to the British throne, which will be fully proclaimed by the so-called Accession Council on Saturday morning. Yet despite that run-up, no one really knows what his reign will mean for the royal family, or for Britain. For kings, like Stocks, past success is no guide to future performance. The queen's reign epitomized stability. Everything about her, from her low-heeled loafers to her restrained emotions, showed a striking consistency. In some ways, Charles will be a continuation of this. His emotions, however, are more mercurial and, for the monarchy, often far too close to the surface. He has complained in particular about his childhood, earning him the moniker Prince of Wales. Charles may also make more political noise than his scrupulously neutral mother. He is already notorious for pushing his many opinions on everything from modern architecture to industrial farming. But as king, he must know that his success will be judged by the yardstick of hospital visits and school openings. In this, he is likely to excel. Previous heirs to the British throne were wayward or drunken. Close aides say Charles works, quote, like a Trojan. Ukraine Punches Back The war took a dramatic turn this week when Ukraine launched a fresh assault in the east of the country, on top of its week-old offensive in the southern province of Kherson. On Tuesday, Ukrainian tanks and troops sliced through a weak spot in Russian lines east of the city of Kharkiv. In the following days, they encircled the town of Balalaika and moved 50 kilometers east, marking one of the most rapid advances seen since Russia invaded in February. Fighting has now reached Kupiansk, a key rail junction that supplies Russian forces in Izium to the south. Ukraine's ambition may be to trap defenders in a pocket. As many as 10,000 Russian troops may be caught between the Ukrainian advance and the Oskil River to their rear. Russian military bloggers tracking the war describe panic and confusion. On Thursday, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that his armies had liberated 1,000 square kilometers in the northeastern Kharkiv province, as well as the southern Kherson province, where progress has been slower. Canada's Conservatives to Pick a Polite Populist On Saturday, it is the turn of Canada's Conservative Party to choose a new leader. The favourite is Pierre Polyev, a boyish member of Parliament. His take-no-prisoners Trumpian style helped the party quadruple its membership since the end of 2021. Though his populist combativeness may win him the leadership, it will be a harder sell with Canadians at large. Most feel there is too much nasty partisanship in politics. Yet it is wrong to pigeonhole Mr. Polyev as a hard right winger. Though he supported the trucker convoy that paralyzed Canada's capital in February, he doesn't pander to social conservatives. He says that he will not restrict access to abortion and that life should be made easier for immigrants. His first order of business will be keeping a diffuse caucus intact. Some moderate conservatives are talking of splintering off to occupy a middle ground that many feel Canada's liberals, under Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, has abandoned by allying themselves with the left-leaning New Democrats. A big job awaits. Can Bollywood Escape Its Funk? This is a big weekend for Bollywood, India's Hindi film industry. On Friday, Brahmastra Part 1, Shiva, a mythological adventure flick, was released in 5,000 theaters across the country, amid much hype and some trepidation. Excitement was sparked by a budget of more than $50 million, making the film one of the most expensive ever produced in India, and the promise of a potentially lucrative franchise, already dubbed the, quote, Astroverse, to follow. The nerves come from Bollywood's recent struggles. According to an industry tracker, of 26 releases this year, 20 have been flops, losing at least half of their investment. Before the pandemic, box office revenues had been increasing steadily, but lockdowns weaned Indians away from the cinemas and onto streaming services, where they have largely stayed. Bollywood now hopes to lure back viewers with big hits. Brahmastra could be just that, as early data suggests bumper ticket sales, potentially the highest in three years. Weekend Profile Shavkat Marziov, Uzbek leader with a reformist bent. When Shavkat Mirziyoyev became president of Uzbekistan in 2016, his country was a pariah in much of the democratic world. Previously, Central Asia's most populous nation had been ruled by Islam Karimov, a ruthless despot who clung to power through the Soviet Union's collapse and his country's independence in 1991. Although Karimov earned some goodwill among Western governments for helping military operations in neighboring Afghanistan after 2001, that soon evaporated amid persistent allegations of corruption and rights abuses, including boiling dissidents alive and massacring anti-government protesters in the city of Andijan in 2005. He even locked up his own daughter, once considered a successor. In the six years since Mr. Medzioyev's ascent, Uzbekistan has undergone a striking transformation. He has eased state controls on industry, media, religion, and civil society and abolished a forced labor system for picking cotton, a major export. He has also overseen a diplomatic shift, improving ties with neighbors, expanding links with China, and repairing relations with the West. Since America's withdrawal from Afghanistan in 2021, he has taken the lead in engaging the Taliban and in lobbying Western countries to follow suit. He will build on that legacy next week by hosting a summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, a grouping of regional powers in the Uzbek city of Samarkand. For China's president, Xi Jinping, it will be the first foreign foray in two years. Some question Mr. Merzioyev's reformist credentials. He was, after all, Karimov's prime minister for 13 years and maintains many restrictions on religion, media, and civil activism. Election monitors have flagged concerns about his two presidential victories while acknowledging progress towards fairness. In July, Amnesty International called for an investigation into reports that his troops had used quote unlawful force in quelling protests against plans to change the constitutional status of Karakalpakstan, an autonomous region. Eighteen protesters died and Mr. Merzioyev withdrew the proposal. Yet even critics acknowledge that he has revitalized the economy. It now rivals neighboring Kazakhstan's as the region's most dynamic Mr. Merzioyev is no model liberal, but in a region long stifled by Soviet-era strongmen, he is still a breath of fresh air. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Ryan Chua, Singapore North America, Ariel Brio, San Jose, USA. Central and South America, Alejandro Jara, Santiago, Chile. Europe, Nina Larabayek, Maribor, Slovenia. Africa, Tanera Boucher, Mazvingo, Zimbabwe. Oceana, Grant Reese, Queenstown, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers of hand, martingale, stirrup, bit, and mustang. The theme is horses, which are measured in hands— Martingales, stirrups, and bits are all pieces of equipment, and a mustang is a feral horse. And visit the Espresso app for our new Weekend Crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Stephen J. Gould, who was born on this day in 1941. The dogmatist within is always worse than the enemy without.